breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten. Keel, Mike, and McCarty. What What do we say today? Let me Let me say this. City council meeting yesterday. I watched. I I, I didn't come come in at the very beginning. I missed the very beginning, but I watched it live. Aaron, I I wrote down some notes. This council is an embarrassment. This council is a disgrace to our city. Mm-hmm. And every tax-paying citizen of this town should be embarrassed and, quite frankly, angry. It's made up of individuals who are more concerned about their, their individual power or their political positioning. Because this isn't the final step for them in, in their political aspirations than they are concerned about doing the business of the entire city. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for for Mayor Arsenault that this is the council that's going to determine his legacy. Yeah, that that he has to work with. There should be a a little green and orange and yellow and red a little car out in front of City Hall <laughs> that says, "Come on inside and see the clown circus that's going on inside." It is a clown show, and 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 I, I I'm just embarrassed. I I can't vote them all out. The only one saving grace is that there's only a small inner circle of people that are really and I'm paying not attention. Every city, every city councilman. I know, but there's only a small group of the citizens who are really tuned in. They're, you know, they're more are learning about it now. But if you were to ask everybody who's your city councilman, they wouldn't know. Probably couldn't tell you. What's going on with the pay raise? Which they wouldn't is know. sad in itself. What's going on with the clerk of council? They wouldn't know. But those on the inside, those who keep watch, Mike, I've been covering City Hall for almost 40 years. Right. May will be 40 years. I have never, and I've had council members indicted. I've had mm. people dragged from the council chambers in handcuffs. I've had people being gaveled down over and over again. I've had all kinds of things happen. I've had subpoenas served at the council member chambers. I have had nothing comparable to this. This is absolutely sad. And I, we're going to hear from Shanerica Flemings. She made, I think it was like an eight minute statement yesterday uh, right before she was fired by the council on a four to three vote. And she made some scathing accusations. I think I've beeped most of her dirty words out and bad and things you can't say words out. Right. She uses vulgar language in describing how professional she is. No, she's every foul word she uses. She's quoting from someone else, though. Be careful about that because she's saying okay. those words were used by other people. Um, I'm, I want to make that clear. But for Miss Flemings to sit there and act like she's never done anything wrong, she's always been professional, hog to the wash. Is that the saying? Not quite. I understand the meaning. Listen to what she had to say yesterday. 
My goal is to show the public why Shreveport can't keep young, talented professionals. You have not heard any council member speak negatively about my overall work performance, my skill set, the quality of the work I produce, or my professionalism. Instead, you've only heard baseless allegations of wrongdoing without so much as an ounce of evidence, all meant to be an assassination of my character. Six months ago, five council members approved my confirmation because they were confident in my ability to do this job. Councilman Butcher or Talaferro didn't vote for me, but I gave them my word that I'd work for them as I would every other council member, and I have. Councilwoman Bowman told me I shouldn't do shit for them. However, I told her I would work as hard for them as I did for everyone else, and I kept my word. Anything I provide to all council members, they are included. And anything they've requested from me, I've provided. Neither of them can truthfully, t truthfully tell you anything differently. In fact, I have emails and recall multiple conversations with Councilman Telefera where he, where he has thanked me for my efforts, for me looking out for him, for providing him with necessary information, and for a job well done. Less than a month ago, after I was publicly humiliated for receiving a raise that I knew nothing about until after it had been given, Councilman Brooks came to my office and told me how great of a job I'm doing and how impressed he was with my knowledge and ability to promptly respond to council members anytime any of them has a question. So imagine my surprise this past Friday when he asked the deputy, deputy clerk to add my employment status to the council agenda because he intends to fire me. He nor my other employers had the courtesy to come to me with any of their issues before going public. I even called each of them in hopes of finding out what the problem was because no one has spoken to me. Council members Brooks, Busher, Telefero, and Bowman did not answer nor any of them have did not answer nor have any of them returned my phone call. I'd also like to add that since the day I started, not one of my bosses has given me any sort of counseling, performance review, or verbal or written warning of any sort, yet they are moving to fire me. I can't help but think this termination is the result of a series of instances where I either spoke out against something I didn't agree with or rejected invitations that I believed were inappropriate. Around the time that I was confirmed, I attended a dinner where Councilwoman Bowman allowed Councilman Brooks to say the word I gave him pushback in that moment and let him know that it wasn't okay for him to use that word. Yet Councilwoman Bowman said nothing. There was also another council member and his wife present. The other council member stated he didn't hear it, but his wife did, and she was so upset that she left. When I later questioned Councilwoman Bowman about why she remained silent, she told me he was a different type of white guy, and she wasn't going to say anything because she may need him later. I guess she was right because she was able to convince him to take lead on firing a young black woman so that she wouldn't have to be the face of it. After this, anytime Councilwoman Bowman asked me to join her and Councilman Brooks for drinks, I declined. When he asked me on multiple occasions to join him at his bar for steak and drinks, I always declined. It seems Councilman Brooks' opinion of me may have changed because he doesn't like to be challenged or rejected. However, I will never apologize for speaking out against something I know is wrong. I also won't compromise my standards and integrity by engaging in what I believe is inappropriate behavior just to please someone, even if that someone is my boss. Councilwoman Bowman has been vocal about her disapproval of me speaking with RJ about his job performance. She has a problem with me speaking directly to him about his work, yet she was okay with telling me how messy his clothes look, how bad his hygiene is, how he acts like a female at times, and how she knows he just sits in his office and does nothing. 
The only reason I bring these things up now is because it appears I am being punished because I didn't go along with everything these council members have said or done. In the past month, multiple people have told me that they've asked Councilwoman Bowman what her problem is with me, and her response has been, I just don't like that bitch, with no other explanation. Despite knowing this, I've continued to be nothing but professional towards her. I've been accused of having an overinflated ego. I suppose that is because I have an opinion. I don't just sit down, shut up, and take whatever people try to feed me. And because I walk around with my head high, even when some people do all they can to tear me down, I unapologetically use my voice. I love Shreveport, and I love working for this city. To those council members who have continuously supported me and believe in my abilities, ability to help make Shreveport a better place, thank you. Serving under your leadership has been a true honor. Now, they should have stopped her. Okay, that was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. That was not the time. She should not have been allowed to go on an eight-minute rant slamming council members. If we, she we wanted to make that statement, of it, yeah. yeah. If she wanted to make that statement, it should have been a press conference after the council meeting. They need to learn Robert's rules of order. They did it once yesterday. Ursula Bowman Ursula said, Bowman. "Point of order." They should have done it before Fleming when James spoke. James Green started his. You line should have of said, BS. "Point of order." I call for the question. That means we're going to vote. You have to stop. You vote. Period. Fleming's wants to give a statement. Go do your news conference outside. Have your little fun outside should have stopped it they need to learn the rules they need to learn the rules how you stop these trains from going off the track like that because they all are now going boy we should have done that we shouldn't have let her do that after the fact we shouldn't let you need to know ahead of time what if she goes on a rant what if green does this again green went on a 30 minute tirade a couple of weeks ago you know they need to learn nobody called point of order at that point there are things you can do to stop it yeah and uh, you're, you're right. Clown car time. Line them up. Tim Fletcher has sports next. 1017 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. So yesterday, Aaron, Aaron and I attended, which we, we try to do on a regular basis, the uh, North Shreveport Business Association luncheon. Mm-hmm. Uh, police chief al- is always there. They give a report. Uh, the police department gives a report. Uh, fire chief is there. The fire department does a monthly report. Um, uh, James Jefferson, City Marsh. I mean, you know, almost everybody. Mm-hmm. It's anybody. It's a who's who, yeah. Uh, you know, attends. And the, sp- <laughs> the speaker yesterday. Good. God Almighty was Sheriff Steve Prater. He was on a roll. It was hilarious. It, it, he had some serious points to, it, that he got across. Um, but Aaron, when he, <laughs> he he said he wanted to do start a podcast. Once he's no longer sheriff. Once yeah. he's right. Mm-hmm. He said he has to figure out what it is. <laughs> he says, I'm going to call it Good God Almighty. Based on the crazy things that are going in the world. He said, he goes, I saw a story. The mayor of Burbank, California. What did he say? What had, because, why, why did he have this? Oh, there was a fundraiser. Oh, a fundraiser. And he was being spanked by a member, by a, um, a drag queen. Yeah. For a fundraising event. A drag queen. Yeah. Yeah. Spanking him. Spanking him on his bottom. As a fundraiser. For a fundraising event. 
And Sheriff Prater said, good God Almighty. <laughs> Can you imagine Tom Arsenault, a drag queen, spanking oh. him? Please. Oh. Oh. Tommy Chandler, drag queen, spanking you? No. Good God Almighty. Can, can we come up with better fundraising ideas? Well, hopefully. I hopefully just... that doesn't happen here. It, it doesn't surprise me at all in Burbank, California. But there there are so many examples of things that we do now that we think, holy cow, have we lost control of, you know, things that we will do. I, I, don't, I don't know. I... Um, I'm at a loss for words, and I'm like him. Good God Almighty. Yeah. He was talking about the people that they arrest for pornography, and it now is involving, you know, well, he said such horrible things. Child pornography. Yes. And bestiality. Good he, God Almighty. Yeah. He said, y'all know these, that goes together for some reason. He it's, goes, if you can, <laughs> animals, if you can figure that out. Mm-hmm. It, it's <laughs> Good just, God Almighty. Yeah, and he's... He's fed up with all the foolishness, and and he was on a tear yesterday, and he brought up the Caddo Commission's bond proposal that's got all kinds of oh yeah pork pork in it yeah, and essentially was saying good God Almighty. We read that on the air last week. Yeah, we we went. I'm not that. done with that. We've got a former judge Paul Young coming in tomorrow, and he and I had a long talk about it, and of course he knows we need more bed space. And he and he says we can't afford to vote it down because we will get bed space out of that. But nobody's promising us beds. They're not saying how many there's more beds. There's nothing in there that says that, right? So I, you but know, there's litter abatement and there's well, I have to have to have it in front of me. All kinds of hogwash in it. Yeah. And no, um, no mention of how many more beds. And it's five million dollars a year of your money for fifteen years. Good God Almighty. 1017 FM. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. I don't think you are, but I'll ask. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're not the the, the type that when a new. Like iPhone comes out, you jump on it. No, 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 no. Yeah, me either. I think I'm a 12. I don't even. How do I know what this is? I don't even. It'll know. tell you if you if you go to like about or whatever. I, well, where's that? I have no clue. <laughs> the, the the new 15, the iPhone 15 is out. Ruben, uh, what about you? Do you you don't even, you don't have the iPhone, do you? No, no, no. I do Samsung. See, you're like my son. Android, my son. Whatever, yeah. yeah, he's got a flip phone. <laughs> I, I I was one of the last people on earth with with a flip phone. I didn't wow. get a smartphone. Until I actually liked that razor the Motorola razor. Oh yeah. Now texting was a pain in the butt because you know you had to do three characters every you know to right. get to a letter. Uh, the the iPhone 15 came out yesterday. Apple re, uh, released the 15. Um, I before I I've got a 12 now I think, and before I got the 12. I had a six. I mean, I hold on to hardware. Oh, I'm the same. Yeah. I, if it's worked, my, my, my phone worked. The only reason I upgraded then was because you couldn't get support for it anymore. Mm-hmm. They stopped doing updates at a certain point where you go, okay, I've got I've to get a new one because I can't get an update anymore. Mm. But uh, it's, uh, there's some features, I think, uh, overall, I think people aren't real excited 
there's not enough to generate, I think, a lot of excitement. A- yeah. Actually, for the past three quarters, Apple's sales have dropped. How much is the new one? I mean, it- they start at twelve hundred. Dang. And the uh, the fifteen Pro Max. I think maybe that's the fifteen Pro Max. Uh, but yeah, they they bumped the price up, and now it does have a uh, like. Uh, uh, an actual, a, a stronger zoom on the camera. Okay. Not just a digital zoom, right. but a stronger zoom on the camera. Uh, smaller be- bevels on the side, so they're bezels on the side, so they, uh, the, the screen is a little bit okay. larger. I don't know. Let me run out and not get it. <laughs> I'm not Sorry. jumping on it yet. <laughs> not yet, no. My Mine's working just fine. Yeah. Uh, mm. yeah, people that don't text me back, I don't think it's my phone's fault. <laughs> I gotta talk. We gotta talk Mardi Gras when we get back. Mardi Gras counter offer. What? <laughs> Mike and McCarty, one hundred and one. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on one hundred and one seven FM and seven ten Kiel. Well, also going on, there are there is other news happening in the city of Shreveport. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mardi Gras, which. Aaron, yesterday during the meeting, there was a moment when uh, the the speaker was saying, uh, "Next month, or, or no?" He said, "In uh, October, our speaker will be blah blah blah." And I looked at Aaron. And I said, "That sounds like it's such a long way away." It's right around the corner. It's right, and Mardi Gras is going to be here before we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Well, we know that the uh, two big crews, Gemini and Centaur, submitted a counter offer to the mayor um, yesterday or Monday. What is today? Wednesday? Maybe yesterday. Okay. Now, the city's proposal was to start the parade at 2.30 now Mm -hmm. and not start it downtown at Lake Street, but start it further up. Clyde Fant Parkway Mm -hmm. under the railroad trestle, I believe. Yep. So the staging would be from that point back. And so it's a shorter parade route. Mm-hmm. But they also proposed to change the date of the Centaur Parade. Right. So because these are all proposals be, be, yeah. because their city is short of manpower. And the African American Parade is on the date of the Centaur Parade, and they didn't think they could handle both parades on the same day. So the crews have been, you know, bantering back to see if they could come up with a compromise. <laughs> <laughs> I chuckled because they sent the mayor up a compromise and they've asked for the original location for the start at Lake Street and Clyde Fan Parkway. They've asked for a 5 p.m. start time. Which is later than last year's mm-hmm. 3.30 start yeah. time. They they uh, they sent the mayor a list of all the parades in, in Louisiana that roll at night. You know, there's dozens of them that roll at night very successfully. And said, let's do it at night. That'll give you all day for your officers from the African-American parade to go home and rest and, you know, recoup. And then they can come back and work the, the nighttime parade. Because um, the African-American parade is not that long, is it? No, the it's, routes, yeah, it's it, real it short. Doesn't take, yeah, it no, doesn't take that much time. It's an hour, hour and a half, maybe. And it's right there downtown. Mm-hmm. And it's not too long. And it really, to be quite honest, it's very uneventful in terms of... You know, people have been very well behaved. We haven't had many issues ever before with that parade. Um, The Centaur Parade is set for February 3rd. The Gemini Parade, February 10th. Um, 
the mayor is looking at their proposed contracts and he, I'm sure, will submit a counteroffer. There has been some talk about rolling the Centaur on, on its original date of February 3rd. It looks like they may have enough security. Um, still debating whether they start downtown at Lake Street. I don't know what the mayor's final proposal to them will be, but we are we have reached out to the mayor to see if he could join us, um, if not this morning, um, perhaps tomorrow morning or Friday morning to talk about it. Um, I just, I find it, you know, he wants to move you to 2.30 and you go back with a 5 p.m. start time. <laughs> and you change it later than yeah, last year's. later than you even were last year, so... You know, I'm not sure what's going to end up coming of this. They need to reach an agreement, and they need to they need to get with the lieutenant governor and Billy Nungesser, who told us you can't move a parade date. Well, he now he told us last week that he said I'm meeting with the mayor mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. Right. He didn't. He didn't uh, I don't know that there's a time set, but I don't know. He said he was meeting with the mayor. Mm-hmm. He's already talked with captains of the parades. Yes, and uh, Stacy Brown. He mentioned with mm-hmm. the uh, tourism bureau. So he's he's involved with this. Yes, absolutely. And said, and- "Look, you're messing with international tourism mm-hmm. that we've already got set. Right? You can't change the dates." And he's reached out to the um, sheriff's association to try to get help for security if that's an issue, and is also talking to the governor about possible national guard or state police helping. Uh, don't think the governor can make a commitment for something that is next year after he's out of office. So there are a lot of issues to be discussed Absolutely. with regard to this. So, you know, again, I, I've reached out to the mayor. He's, he's got a busy schedule. Um, and hopefully we can have him in the next day or two to talk about this Mardi Gras mess. Coming up next hour, Stephen Wagesback going to join us, candidate for governor. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. All right, careful kids. Careful kids. I haven't thrown anything at Ruben, have I? Wow. Ruben got a little jumpy there. I was was scaring him. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're playing audio that has some bad words in it. Right. And Ruben doesn't know if I fixed it, and I don't know if Ruben fixed it, and we're both looking at each other like... I definitely didn't fix it, (laughs) so you better have fixed it. (laughs) If you missed it, and you're just getting up and about this morning... And if you'd have told me... I mean, you know, 10 years ago Mm -hmm. that I would be watching city council meetings live. (laughs) You're out of your mind. Lost your mind. And and popping popcorn to to watch them. Made sausage balls. Sat down and watched the meeting. Well, Shanerica Flemings, the clerk of council, was fired on a four to three vote. She did have the support of Jackson, Green, and Taylor. Right. Uh, but she made a statement, a little rant, for about eight minutes. I'm just going to play a little small piece of it here. And, well, well, serious well, accusations. Yeah. She made some serious accusations. Um, here we go, Ruben. Hand on the button just in all case. Right, right. But here's a part of what she had to say. My goal is to show the public why Shreveport can't keep young, talented professionals. You have not heard any council member speak negatively about my overall work performance, my skill set, the quality of the work I produce, or my professionalism. Instead, you've only heard baseless allegations of wrongdoing without so much as an ounce of evidence, all meant to be an assassination of my character. Six months ago, five council members approved my confirmation because they were confident in my ability to do this job. Councilman Butcher or Talaferro didn't vote for me, but I gave them my word that I'd work for them as I would every other council member, and I have. 
Councilwoman Bowman told me I shouldn't do shit for them. However, I told her I would work as hard for them as I did for everyone else, and I kept my word. Anything I provide to all council members, they are included. And anything they've requested from me, I've provided. Neither of them can truthfully, t truthfully tell you anything differently. In fact, I have emails and recall multiple conversations with Councilman Talaferro where he, where he has thanked me for my efforts, for me looking out for him, for providing him with necessary information, and for a job well done. Less than a month ago, after I was publicly humiliated for receiving a raise that I knew nothing about until after it had been given, Councilman Brooks came to my office and told me how great of a job I'm doing and how impressed he was with my knowledge and ability to promptly respond to council members anytime any of them has a question. So imagine my surprise this past Friday when he asked the deputy, deputy clerk to add my employment status to the council agenda because he intends to fire me. Cool. Now, I'll say that was inappropriate. I mean, look, she had the right to say it. Nobody stopped her. But not during a city council meeting when it went into the record. She it, That should have been done at a press conference after the council meeting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to, for them to allow that to go on for eight minutes, in my humble opinion, was a mistake. Mm-hmm. It, they they should have stopped it. They should have said point of order. Call I call for the question. That means uh, when you say I call for the question, if you read Robert's Rules of Order, that means there's no more discussion. You vote. You take a vote. You can take a vote for on the call for the question. Do, who supports us voting? Then you vote four to three. We're voting. And then you vote and you stop all discussion. Uh, I think some of the members know those rules. Some of them may not. Not an appropriate time for her statement. And I have a problem a little bit with Miss Flemings because, you know, if for her to sit there and act like she's never done anything wrong. Well, yeah. she also, when she mentioned the raise. She didn't know anything about she it. She said that was the first she'd heard of it when it happened. Well, that's not what was said before. Mm -hmm. um, that's according to Ursula Bowman. Now, do you believe Ursula Bowman? Do you believe Flemings and Green? I don't know. We'll find out. Stephen Wagaspak, candidate for governor, coming up after the news. 1017 FM, 7. One oh one seven FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, friend of the program, Stephen Waggis back joining us this morning, candidate for governor of the great state of Louisiana. Stephen, good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing today? We're doing great. The, the the Landry campaign has sent out lots of information linking you to an ad that's critical of him that they've gotten pulled um that is attacking him. Um you obviously don't control the PACs. How do you respond to the Landry claims that link some of your donors to the, to the quote, dark money pack? This is so ridiculous, Aaron. I mean, the truth is no one in this race has been attacked by these packs more than me. Jeff's packs have run several commercials coming after me. So have Schroeder's. Uh, Jeff's has a second pack that did a nasty mailer full of lies, all of them full of lies about me. And, you know, it is what it is. Now, this pack, we're not even, this is not even something we're associated with. And so, and they know that they're just trying to kind of pin it on me for some reason, because I think from the beginning, 
what has happened is they have figured out that, you know, we're the only true threat to, uh, you know, to shake this race up. And so from day one, you know, they've come after me pretty good. And look, do, do I like that as a candidate? No, no one likes to see all this stuff said about you. But, um, you know, I've learned to accept it. So on this latest thing, I, I don't know who that pack is, nor do I care whether their ads stay up or away, whatever. That's not, that's not for me to have any opinion on. But they know that's not uh, my pack, but they're trying to kind of pin it on me because it, it follows a theme they've had where they've, they've thrown junk at me one, one step after another. Um, but, you know, we're just going to stay consistent on our message of what we're trying to do and what we stand for and why we're trying to help Louisiana reach its potential. You were one, you were the, maybe the only one, I'm not sure, uh, said no to raising the minimum wage the other night. Uh, explain, yeah. explain your reasons for saying that. Yeah, look, wages um, need to go up, and they are going up. Inflation is driving them up. And these yes-no questions in these debates are not fair to any of the candidates, including, including me on this question. The truth is, my concern is for small business. If you talk to any small business owner, they are struggling to find people. They're struggling to um, keep their businesses afloat. We all remember the crazy government shutdowns coming out of COVID and how hard that was on these small business restaurants and retailers. And so what I was going to say, if we had more of a thorough chance to, to answer that, is you know, bring me a solution that doesn't hurt small business. And then, yeah, then let's talk about it. But thus far, that's never been the case because the big companies, look, they don't care. It doesn't hurt them at all. No big deal. But those smaller businesses that we depend on, we all, you know, long for the days where Main Street and, and towns across Louisiana was vibrant. We need those Main Street retailers to stay alive. And, uh, you know, putting uh, uh, salary mandates from, from Baton Rouge or D.C. on them is not the right way to, to, to handle that. Now, if you can bring me a solution, maybe there's some, you know, tax tax maneuver or something like that that can help true small businesses comply with the mandate, then I'm open to having that discussion. But no one's ever brought that to the table. Talking with Stephen Wagesback, former president of Lobby, candidate for governor of Louisiana. Uh, Stephen, one of the big issues that's on everybody's mind, it's a huge concern, is crime. And, you know, crime is a, is a problem statewide. It affects so many aspects uh, of our lives, including economic development, p- companies looking to, to div- you know, uh, maybe divert, divert, diversify into Louisiana. How does the governor actually able to do anything to, uh, to help eliminate, you know, our crime issues that we have? Well, the crisis is so big, the go- whoever the governor is doesn't have a choice. They have to do something. Uh, typically, what candidates love to say is, oh, that's a local problem. But look, the, the, the crisis is too big to do that. So there's a couple of things. One, we have to help um, find more law enforcement and hire them and pay them and train them. And yes, that's at the state police level with our training academies. But also, we have to do whatever it takes to help local sheriffs and police officers, uh, excuse me, police departments, hire more officers. The second thing is, we have to put better technology, uh, you know, in their hands. That is body cams. That is license plate readers. That is uh, um, traffic. I mean, excuse me, um, neighborhood cams in high crime areas, high traffic areas, tourism areas, to make sure we can prove these cases and put those folks away. The last piece is the more complicated one. We have a juvenile crisis in this state. If you talk to any local sheriff or police officer, what they'll tell you is the number of, oh, I don't know, 12 to 20 year old violent offenders they're picking up is alarming to them. And, and the drug trade is a big piece. A failed education system is a big piece. But you've got youthful offenders that are committing some violent crimes. Right now, we have nowhere to bring those offenders. And so what's happening is a catch-and-release program. And 
that has to stop. And so we have to work with localities, put regional centers and facilities in place where you can bring these youthful offenders and take them off the streets. Nobody and wants yes, a nobody wants a jail in their backyard. Can we put one uh, in your neighborhood? I don't care where we put it, Aaron. But we can, right now we're putting those criminals back in, across the street from you. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, breaking into your car. Yeah. So the current option is not not an, an option. And so look. We can have these NIMB fights all day long. Okay, that's great. But these youthful offenders are going to just keep getting released. And what's happened is the gangs have figured out the, the, ga- the game. And so the gangs recruit the 14 to 20-year-olds, and they do all the dirty work. And that's not acceptable. And so we have to build these facilities. And once you take these offenders off the streets, yes, you, you retrain them, you give them drug treatment, you give them GEDs, all that good stuff. But also you got to get them off the streets first. If you don't, you're just putting your head in the sand. And you're pretending like you want to fight a problem, but you're not truly doing anything about it. And that's what drives me crazy about government and career politicians who love to dance around problems, but not actually be honest with people and say, if you want to stop it, this is what it takes. And so, yeah, you're right, Aaron. No one wants a facility. I don't want one either. But the truth is, if we don't start putting somewhere to put these youthful offenders, the crime will not stop and that's not acceptable to me wags you've talked with us over and over again about you know business and and our and our state and and i've told you the story uh, you know my mom worked for state government for years and when this governor took office our state budget was 29 billion we're now at 45 billion 48 billion and i know we had a lot of federal money injected but i can you give me some specific examples of where Stephen Wagesback will tighten the budget, and let's go back down to that thirty billion dollar range. We've lost residents. We're not. Ha- we don't have as many people to take care of anymore. Aaron, we're we're a, we're a state on a serious slide right now, and I'm not sure people really appreciate it. We are the only state in the South in the post-COVID era that is losing in the top ten of states losing people and jobs coming out of that time. Our southern states around us are killing it right now, and they're doing it because. They have an economy that's growing. They have a workforce that's trained. They have communities that are not filled with potholes, bad schools, and crime. They're doing what I think are the blocking and tackling. So, yes, look, I'm a budget cutter, and I think that budget increase is crazy, too, and I'll be glad to do that. But I don't think that's our top priority. Our top priority is we have to do the little things right to start growing again and stop losing our kids to other states. Um, We have to improve our education system. We have to train all kids um, for a pathway to productivity, and that is inject more two-year schools, technical training, soft skills into our schools, change our accountability system to reward schools for doing that. You have to tackle crime head on. This insurance crisis is pricing people out of this state. They absolutely cannot afford to live here. You have to take on not just the insurance companies and how they go about their business, but, yes, also the big billboard lawyers. No one wants to talk about that either if you, if you run for politics for a living because you know you'll get creamed for doing it. I'm talking about it because I am going to be truthful with the people. So when it comes to the, the size of the state government, you're right. It's almost double over the last 15 years. And, you know, it's funny all these Cantonese race who talk about how bad it was 15 years ago, and they don't talk anything about the fact that our budget has doubled, that almost half of our budget is health care and most of that's Medicaid, that 20% of our, our kids grow up today in poverty, and that number's going up. So we've got serious challenges, and you need someone to come in and put solutions first and, and have some of the tough stands. And so the best thing I can do is, look, when I get in there, I'm going to do an outside audit of every single agency we have. And I'm going to release the findings of that audit to the public, and I'm going to hire cabinet heads who are focused on adhering to that audit and squeezing government everywhere we can to be more effective. Now, some of those savings, I hope to go back to taxpayers. Some of those savings, I hope to go back to high-performing areas. Quite frankly, we've got an early education need. If we can divert some existing dollars to that, that's a win that saves taxpayers from existing dollars. My goal will be to grow the economy, 
squeeze efficiencies in government and get us to a point by 2025 we're growing in people and jobs again, and we can let that sales tax roll off and bring those dollars back to the people. That would be my two-year game plan, and that starts with extensive audits of every agency, mm-hmm. and it starts with focusing on doing the little things that are needed to grow our economy. Again. One more thing about insurance. You told me, and you know where I'm going. Yeah, go there. I can't wait to answer this question. <laughs> Tort reform was going to lower our rates, insurance rates. And I'm quoting. I'm just telling you, Aaron, it's going to lower rates. If we get past this and a year from now the rates aren't down, I'll be grabbing a tiki torch right with you going to the Capitol saying this didn't work. Where's your tiki torch? Look, Aaron, you know what happened after that, too. The COVID shutdowns happened and jury trials were shut down for over a year in the state of Louisiana. You know that's the case. And you also know that that legislature and that this governor, who we all know is a trial lawyer by training, they put a lot of pressure to, to make that bill not as strong as it needed to be. So the, the answer is, it's not that tort reform doesn't work. The answer is, we need more of it. It's like the cowbell from the old Saturday Night Live, Live skit. We need more cowbell. Ding, ding, ding. And so what we need to do is go back and go back to the same well that we know that works. And look, next year... We're going to have a two-thirds supermajority of Republicans in the House and the Senate. And, yes, I think we're going to have a Republican governor. Shame on us if we don't pass a bolder bill that can actually move the needle on these issues and get that done. That's what's needed. You know, Texas, they look at their legal system every year, and they tweak, and they refine, and they improve, and they do it. In Louisiana, we touch it once every 25 years and think that's going to work. Look, we have learned the last couple of years. That's not enough. We have to go further, stronger. And we have to be more honest with the people that that's what it's going to take. And I'm willing to do that. And, look, that's why a lot of these PACs attacking me right now, they're funded with the same billboard lawyer money that's trying to defeat me and defeat this concept. And so, look, some of the candidates in this race have taken a lot of that money. And they've made some of those promises in quiet uh, rooms that no one knows about to say, don't worry. If I get elected, I won't come after your legal system. So, look, if that's what people want, if they want to continue to say, you know what, let's just let's just mock legal reform and say we can get lower insurance rates by not doing it good luck with that but i'm just telling you it's not going to work unless we do more we, we be honest with the louisiana people and tell them that we have to, we have to put pressure on the insurance companies and the big billboard lawyers to come to the table bring solutions and compromises that work i have a plan to do that and i have a, um, an interest in doing mm-hmm. that as soon as we get in a special session once we get there steven waggis back candidate for governor can you hold on with us through the break I'd be honored. We'll be right back. Mike and McCarty, 1017. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, candidate for governor of Louisiana, Stephen Wagespack, joining us this morning. And uh, before the break, we wanted to talk about um, education. Yes. Uh, there are a lot of, lot of people say we have a long way to go in education. And that we we're, do. We're far behind on our performance and our teacher salaries. Do you have some innovative things? We always hear higher pay and blah, 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 blah. Can you give me a little more than blah, 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 blah? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever known me to give you blah, 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 blah? Come on now, Aaron. (laughs) Uh, But no, you're right. Look, Let me me tell you the, the sad situation that I hear. When I talk to employers, all they're asking for is someone who can read and write and, and, and stay off drugs and have good soft skills. That's all they're asking for. It's pretty simple what they're asking for. And so I think well, if we have to be honest with ourselves, that we have a lot of students that, you know, they come from maybe complicated uh, home environments. They don't have the right mentors in their households. So they're showing up early in the school system. 
not prepared to learn, not prepared to understand what exactly the pathway is. So we have to really double down on early education and career guidance and soft skills at an early level. The community used to teach some of those skills. They don't anymore. We have to do that in the school system. The other thing is I think we have to, when it gets to the high school area, we have to be more honest with our students and our parents and say, okay, here's your kid's most productive pathway. And if you're on the path to a four-year college, great. Start taking some of those dual enrollment AP courses in high school. We start paying for them right there. Or maybe your best path for a two-year college or a technical training or straight to the workforce. That's great, too. We're going to start doing some of those courses, some of those training programs, apprenticeships in the high school. Or maybe there's another category where there's a mental health issue or there's a drug treatment need there. And we start doing that in the high schools. And so you have to change the accountability system and change the incentives and the funding formula to reward high schools for meeting students where they are and elevating them in the natural path for them. Right now, that's not what we do. We have an accountability system that punishes any high school that doesn't send a kid to a four-year college. And that's not right. It's not good for the kid. It's not good for what our economy needs. It's expensive for a lot of those families, et cetera. The last thing is I'm a big fan of parental choice. I believe parents deserve control, input, guidance on their kid's future, on the curriculum and all that stuff, but also should have some mobility. You know, the dollars we spend today, I like parents to have the control. And if they're not getting what they need from their school, perhaps they can go to another neighboring competitor uh, across the street or down the road. I think parents deserve that authority, that control, and that mobility. So all of those, of those things are a big piece of getting us a, a workforce that can come out of school ready to read, write, have good soft skills, and, and stay off drugs. If we do that, I, I think we can go recruit all these new industries, bring those next you know, blue, high-collar, um, blue-collar, white-collar, um, white high-tech, low-tech, all those different industries to Louisiana because they all want to come to the South, but they're not coming here to Louisiana because we can't provide a workforce. And we have too much politics and, and taxes and regulation in our economy that has to be brought out. Wags, last question, last minute. You're being criticized for your work during the Jindal administration. So I'm going to ask yeah. you, did you make any mistakes while Bobby Jindal's chief of staff that you wish you would have done something differently? Every, every human not named Jesus has made mistakes since they've been on this earth. Of course I did. But I would tell you this. In the first term where I worked there with a talented team, we, we dealt with the Great Recession, all those things. We revamped our workforce development. We passed some of those innovative education reform laws in the country. We privatized the charity hospital system. We cut taxes. Population was growing and the economy was growing in that first term. Did you drain all of our funds? Hang on. At the end of that first term, he won with 66% in the primary, won every single parish. Six months later, seven months later, I stepped down. I was no longer there. The second term was tough for a lot of folks, but I wasn't there. My opponents know that. Okay. They want to lie to the people and pretend I was. Ah, Interesting. Okay. Wags, thank you for always being available, and we look forward to next time you're in town. Man, I appreciate what y'all do, and I'd be honored to visit next time I'm there. Y'all have a great day. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Stephen. Stephen Waggis, back candidate for governor with Mike and McCarty. 101- back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Are we going to get in the clown car next? <laughs> we have clown music. There should Ruben? be there should be a green and orange and yellow and red car, a little bitty one, mm. parked out in front of City Hall every time this clown circus, I mean City Council, meets. <sighs> this embarrassment to our city. 
this disgraceful organization mm. with individuals more concerned about their personal power, more concerned about their political positioning than they are taking care of city business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I ran out of sausage balls yesterday and popcorn. Uh, Shanerica Fleming it's, it's made a statement, and we're going to play uh, a bulk of that when we get back. I think I edited it. She was allowed it. to go on for eight minutes mm-hmm. knowing she was about to be fired. Yeah. And she had prepared this eight-minute diatribe mm-hmm. and that, that, quite frankly, was inappropriate. Had her mom Not in the audience. Not just language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The entire idea of, of allowing her to speak that way. <sighs> At the city council meeting was inappropriate. Yeah. What did she say? Mm. Well, you'll hear it coming up right after the break. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Yesterday's city council meeting, Aaron, if you if you'd have told me ten years ago, five years ago, that I'd be sitting watching a city council meeting live. <laughs> yeah. And and with popcorn and sausage balls and and a great big you know mm-hmm. <laughs> cold drink, right? Uh, I just said you're crazy. Yeah, but th- we knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, you're not on board the train yet. Uh, the council voted four to three to fire council clerk Shanerica Flemings. Um, she made a statement, uh, you know, right before the vote. And I did have arranged Councilwoman Ursula Bowman was going to join us this morning, but I got a text just a few moments ago. They feel like Fleming may file a lawsuit, so they have to be very careful with interviews. The truth will come out. But this is Shanerica Fleming's part of her um, scathing comment. My goal is to show the public why Shreveport can't keep young, talented professionals. You have not heard any council member speak negatively about my overall work performance, my skill set, the quality of the work I produce, or my professionalism. Instead, you've only heard baseless allegations of wrongdoing without so much as an ounce of evidence, all meant to be an assassination of my character. Six months ago, five council members approved my confirmation because they were confident in my ability to do this job. Councilman... Butcher or Talaferro didn't vote for me, but I gave them my word that I'd work for them as I would every other council member, and I have. Councilwoman Bowman told me I shouldn't do shit for them. However, I told her I would work as hard for them as I did for everyone else, and I kept my word. Anything I provide to all council members, they are included. And anything they've requested from me, I've provided. Neither of them can truthfully, t- truthfully tell you anything differently. In fact, I have emails and recall multiple conversations with Councilman Telefera where he, where he has thanked me for my efforts, for me looking out for him, for providing him with necessary information, and for a job well done. Less than a month ago, after I was publicly humiliated for receiving a raise that I knew nothing about until after it had been given, Councilman Brooks came to my office and told me how great of a job I'm doing and how impressed he was with my knowledge and ability to promptly respond to council members anytime any of them has a question. So imagine my surprise this past Friday when he asked the deputy, deputy clerk to add my employment status to the council agenda because he intends to fire me. He nor my other employers had the courtesy to come to me with any of their issues before going public. I even called each of them in hopes of finding out what the problem was because no one has spoken to me. Council members Brooks, Busher, Telefero, and Bowman did not answer, nor any of them have, 
did not answer, nor have any of them returned my phone call. I'd also like to add that since the day I started, not one of my bosses has given me any sort of counseling, performance review, or verbal or written warning of any sort, yet they are moving to fire me. I can't help but think this termination is the result of a series of instances where I either spoke out against something I didn't agree with or rejected invitations that I believed were inappropriate. Around the time that I was confirmed, I attended a dinner where Councilwoman Bowman allowed Councilman Brooks to say the word I gave him pushback in that moment and let him know that it wasn't okay for him to use that word. Yet Councilwoman Bowman said nothing. There was also another council member and his wife present. The other council member stated he didn't hear it, but his wife did, and she was so upset that she left. When I later questioned Councilwoman Bowman about why she remained silent, she told me he was a different type of white guy, and she wasn't going to say anything because she may need him later. I guess she was right because she was able to convince him to take lead on firing a young black woman so that she wouldn't have to be the face of it. After this, anytime Councilwoman Bowman asked me to join her and Councilman Brooks for drinks, I declined. When he asked me on multiple occasions to join him at his bar for steak and drinks, I always declined. It seems Councilman Brooks' opinion of me may have changed because he doesn't like to be challenged or rejected. However, I will never apologize for speaking out against something I know is wrong. I also won't compromise my standards and integrity by engaging in what I believe is inappropriate behavior just to please someone, even if that someone is my boss. Councilwoman Bowman has been vocal about her disapproval of me speaking with RJ about his job performance. She has a problem with me speaking directly to him about his work, yet she was okay with telling me how messy his clothes look, how bad his hygiene is, how he acts like a female at times, and how she knows he just sits in his office and does nothing. The only reason I bring these things up now is because it appears I am being punished because I didn't go along with everything these council members have said or done. In the past month, multiple people have told me that they've asked Councilwoman Bowman what her problem is with me, and her response has been, I just don't like that bitch, with no other explanation. Despite knowing this, I've continued to be nothing but professional towards her. I've been accused of having an overinflated ego. I suppose that is because I have an opinion. I don't just sit down, shut up, and take whatever people try to feed me. And because I walk around with my head high even when some people do all they can to tear me down, I unapologetically use my voice. I love Shreveport and I love working for this city. To those council members who have continuously supported me and believe in my abilities, ability to help make Shreveport a better place, thank you. Serving under your leadership has been a true honor. Yow. Well, Yow. I, I, I'm, a, I'm going to say again, that was inappropriate. That was not the time mm-hmm. nor the place right. to, to make those statements. Not that she didn't have a right to say mm-hmm. what she said. I'm not saying it, no. it wasn't right, but that she should have called a press conference mm-hmm. after the council meeting right. and made that statement. Now, Ursula Bowman was going to join us this morning, but they have now sent out a notice saying they suspect that Miss Flemings may sue. So they're going to hold off on any comments. So it, I got with an attorney. Isn't it an at-will position? It's at-will, but if she, if, if she was sexually harassed or something like that happened at the job, then there's a lawsuit. Could be. So I asked an attorney friend of mine who handles these kinds of cases, and she said there has to be five things you prove with regard to sexual harassment or discrimination. Are the allegations true? Have you filed a complaint prior? Has your case been investigated? What were the results of that investigation? 
And did this alleged harassment affect a term or condition of your employment? Those are the things you have to show. If she was sexually harassed, why is she only saying it now? That's the Why problem. Why didn't she bring it out before? That's the. This attorney said she should. She should have evidence that she's gone to HR before. Saying, and she hey, may have. She may have. We don't know. And this council member keeps trying to get me to go out to drinks with him, or this is happening, or that's happening. If she can show that she has filed previous complaints and the cases have been investigated, then that's an issue. And I asked this lawyer, um, "Would you take her case?" And she said, "I, you know, I would." I will listen to whoever wants to. She said Gary Brooks may have a case for defamation of character. Mm. He may could come to me, too. If, you know, she's claiming he said the N-word and he can prove it never happened. I mean, he he represents a district that is probably 50-50 black-white. She's accusing him of using the N-word. If that's not true, that's defamation of character. It's a, it's a, you know, she says, who comes to me first with their case and who's got the better case? Well, she said there were witnesses she to said, him she, saying that. She claims, Other council members. And Alan Jackson told me he was there and his wife did hear Brooks say that and his wife left the restaurant. Now, has Alan Jackson ever played fast and loose with the truth before? Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Wilson, candidate for governor, going to be joining us after the local news time. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One oh one seven FM's 710 Keel, Shreveport Security Systems message board real quick. Just because a council member runs unopposed doesn't mean they're doing that good of a job. It means nobody else wants this crappy job. (laughs) And the city is too far gone to even try to turn it around, quote, unquote. Boy, no kidding. No kidding. By the way, uh, Dr. Sean Wilson is joining us at about 810 this morning. Another candidate for governor. Good night. Could we have a more crowded day? (laughs) Holy cow. If you're just... On the train this morning, city council clown car action yesterday. Uh, Shanerica Flemings was fired uh, immediately by the council. Um, four, four to three vote. Mm-hmm. And it effective immediately. Yeah, so I wonder if she gone. had already cleaned out her office. Oh, probably. She had her mama and, and sorority sisters in the audience. That's who you hear applauding at the end of her uh, uh. speech. She had a lot of people there. And... Um, so yeah, she had already had everything done. She had her speech ready. Um, oh yeah, she had pre pre prepared mm-hmm. uh, an eight minute speech that she was allowed to give during the city council meeting. And I mean, she accused uh, Councilman Gary Brooks of being everything you could imagine. You know, hitting on her, using the N word, doing all kinds of crazy things. Uh, she accused Councilwoman Ursula Bowman of telling her not to do s for butcher and talaferro and accused bowman of telling of asking her to get brooks to take them shopping in dallas i mean it was just i just don't like that b yeah um i you know i'm i'm quoting another right uh, right alleged council member i allegedly quoting for me 
in the grand scheme of things, you know, now I'm somebody who's had a job almost 40 years, the same place. So um, I, I think you go out with, with more class than that. I think you, you know, I think you pack up your stuff, you thank them for the opportunity and you move on. Um, I know she was bitter, hurt, you know, and all that. But I think she could have done better. I really do. And I am I was disappointed how it went. And we'll see where this council goes from here now because we've got a big divide. Sean Wilson coming up next, 101. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keo, Mike and McCarty. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, we've got a candidate for governor of the great state of Louisiana, Dr. Sean Wilson, joining us. Uh Sean, good morning, sir. Good morning, Mike, and good morning, Aaron. It's been a long time since we've spoken. Sean, I was I was um I was pretty critical of you the other day, and uh, I'm just gonna say it right out here up front. Your your campaign talks a lot about, and you use the statement, I'm a bridge builder. Stop laughing, Mike. I'm sorry. There's people in Bozier. I know where she's going. You know going. where I'm going. He knows where I'm going. <laughs> yes. I know exactly where you're going. Um, we're waiting on our bridge. We're 20 years waiting on our bridge. Um, but, Aaron, let me just tell you. <laughs> why, would, why, would you use that, why would you use that slogan? Because I've done it, Aaron, and you know I've done it. And listen, I've been secretary for seven years. It's 20 years in the making, no doubt. The project is let. Let's be realistic. Let's be practical. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's funded. It's let. It went through the environmental process. You know firsthand we had hurdles in the environmental process because of the darn swallows. And those are things that are the law, Aaron, not things that Sean gets to choose. But at the same time, while we were doing that, we also finished the Barksdale entrance. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And that's bridges. But our ro- our roads are our roads are in deplorable condition. I got a text the other day from somebody that said, "What are we doing that Texas Texas is doing something we're not doing? You've been in charge Texas of our roads. Prioritizing Texas is prioritizing money for bridges, and they've been doing it for decades. We just did it this year. It's been thirty years, Aaron. Let's face it." You know this. We haven't increased the gas tax. When I was on the show when you were secretary, you acknowledged we haven't increased the gas tax since 1990. During the debate and the other night, you said no time. to the, you said no to a gas tax during the debate the other night. You you now are for because, it today? You know why, Aaron? Aaron, I said no to the gas tax because I told you on your show I was most concerned about getting money, and we actually passed an equivalent of ten cents gas tax. That money came this year for the first time, and then it's coming again next year. And so when I told you I meant what I said, I wasn't necessarily asking for the gas tax. I was asking for new revenue. And we actually passed new revenue under my administration as secretary with the bipartisanship in the legislature. So you're getting $150 million more this year. You're going to get $150 million more next year. And you want to know what? Of that $150 million, $50 million is going to I-49 North. Mm. Sean, guess what? There's more money going to projects in Shreveport. So let's not let's not okay. fool your audience. Let's be honest, Aaron. We have made a major difference in this state with infrastructure that hadn't been done in 30 years. And we've got legislators in your area that worked against it. 
Mm. We're talking with Sean Wilson, candidate for governor for Louisiana. Sean, we got a message on the security systems message board that says when you started your term, there was an $11 billion backlog of road work that needed to be complete. Now there's an $18 billion backlog. Are those figures correct? Um, no, it's not. It didn't start off at $11 billion. It was at $13 billion. Uh, and the reality is about three and a half billion of it is inflation. The reality is we didn't spend any more money building roads for the first six and a half years of my administration. We brought in new dollars, but you can't change 30 years of demising roads when they are decrepit and they're falling apart. You can't change that if it happened 30 years ago overnight. So understand how the backlog is administered. It is a legislatively directed formula that we actually account for based on the cost of what actually needs to get done. And when you look at it, we bring it up to date for inflation. And that is where you see a larger backlog. So the fact that we have been spending far less than what we should to keep up, the system continues to degrade. And it was degrading, and it is still degrading at a rate higher than the level of investment because we have not passed any legislation beyond this $150 million. And get this, when the $150 million was passed for this year, it gave $100 million, I'm sorry, $200 million to I-49 North-South, Calcasieu, and Baton Rouge, neither of which, well, only one of them, was actually included in the backlog. So that's the legislature that's prioritizing things that are not the backlog. Sean, you, you've been so open over the years, and I can't thank you enough for that and willing to come on when you knew we were going to throw, you know, bombs at you. What folks will say, well, you're a transportation guy. What makes you qualified to be governor? Let me give you a minute to, to explain that. Why should you be governor? What makes you qualified? Well, considering the difficulty of the issues in transportation and the success that we've had, Uh, It's the ability to work through problems, and problem-solving is transferable. Making decisions is transferable. Being honest and transparent and operating with integrity and being available to the public, to audiences like you and your audience, is part of what leadership does. I am not going to be focused on operating on the extremes as governor. I'm going to take that same approach to dealing with everything from how do you make people safer? How do you make people smarter? How do you make sure we have a healthy society and one that's wealthy? Those are things that a degree in public administration and a master's and Ph.D. in public policy, those are the things that working in natural disasters and responses gives you the credibility and the experience to be able to do. And you couple that with my compassion and commitment and 25 years of service working with Republicans, Democrats and independents, working with North and South Louisiana, urban and rural Louisiana. Those are the things that qualify me to be governor. Every other candidate has very specific issues. Just because you're the attorney general and the chief law enforcement officer and crime is spiraling, that doesn't necessarily alone make you qualified. You're going to have to take that same approach of your experience and transfer that to larger services. No different than if you're a treasurer or a senator or a state representative. I've got more experience than everybody else in state government in this race. That makes me qualified. Sean, I have two sons, grown sons. They don't live in Louisiana anymore. One of them said, to me, looks like a place nobody cares about. I don't know where your children are. I know you have children. We want our children back, Dr. Wilson. We want our children to be proud of Louisiana. Give me three things you will do as governor 
to bring my boys home. Well, listen, you're going to have to fund education. You're going to have to work to make this safe. And you're going to have to invest in our people. And that means everything from creating good-paying jobs with wages. Because remember, when they leave here, they're leaving for a job. They're leaving for an opportunity to get paid. They also want to be somewhere where they can be safe. They also want to be somewhere where there's an obvious future. And a future is going to be based in education. Look at early childhood. Look at the outcomes that we've talked about for decades. Look at the brain drain that we talked about when Bobby Jindal ran against Kathleen Blanco back in 2004. We have to be serious about making investments that are going to build a system and a society that people will come back for. It's not the food they leave for. It's not the football. It's not the fun. It's certainly not the fishing or the festivals. It's that they want to go somewhere safe. They want to go somewhere that gives them an opportunity to earn money and have a good living. And they want to be in a place that has a future and hope. And that is what we can bring into the state of Louisiana if we fund systems that are going to make us systematically better. Okay, where do you fund early childhood education? You have better outcomes, both in terms of public safety, in terms of education, in terms of workforce development, in terms of making us a better state and doing things like building infrastructure. Talking with Sean Wilson, candidate for governor for Louisiana. Sean, those are three great points. When we get back from the break, can you hold with us through the break? Absolutely. We'll mm. talk more, a little more specifics. Mike and McCarty, 1017F. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline candidate for governor, the lone Democrat in the race, Sean Wilson joining us this morning. Sean, I got a question from one of our local leaders for you. Curious if he plans to keep the current ECE system in place and or add to current ECE funding. That's early childhood education funding. We all know we got we gotta do better there, right? We absolutely have to do better. In spite of spending record amounts, we're actually going to be serving fewer students. Think about what that means for children and families out there that need that. There are 159,000 children, and we're servicing somewhere less than 20,000. We can't move the needle on making sure that our babies are ready to learn for kindergarten through the first fourth grade. Those are things that are going to be fundamental, and until you fund it, you're never going to be able to prioritize that and get it done. And so I commend communities that come up with match dollars for that. The state has an obligation to the future and the citizens. If we are serious about addressing crime and bringing young people home, as I mentioned earlier in the first segment, we have to fund that. And the fact that we had $2 billion that we could have allocated to these type of programs to demonstrate some success, and not all of it, but in a scaled-up fashion, says that our prioritize our priorities were wrong. We funded things like splash pads. We funded other things that are not going to do anything to make us safer, smarter, healthier, and wealthier. And if we had funded that, that would have covered not just the educational piece, but it would have had a long-term impact on our safety. It would have had a long-term impact on our health because in that process, you're teaching people how to make better decisions for themselves. And so I think it's a travesty that we have reduced those numbers. Uh, We absolutely should continue to fund it. And I'm fully committed to funding not just early child education, but education in general. Let me uh, change gears just a moment talking with Sean Wilson. Sean, 
one of the issues when you talked about crime a moment ago, um, now the intent for justice reinvestment may have been glorious, but it's not been a success. They say it was intended for nonviolent criminals, but we've got sheriffs that are decrying the fact that violent criminals are being let out early. A uh, good time, you know, good time has been added to their sentence, good behavior um, automatically. And, and violent criminals are being released. You can't say you can't say that justice reinvestment has been a success. Well, by, by, by every measure, I will tell you, there are going to be good and bad outcomes throughout this governmental process. Let's let's be realistic, Mark. Now. Is anything perfect? Absolutely not. But Louisiana has had a history of making positive steps and then undoing it within a year or two years after doing it when you can't necessarily expect to see results. You haven't even fully implemented the Investment Justice Investment Act yet. There's still situations that we haven't been able to make the resource investments because we haven't realized the savings because we haven't fully implemented. So how do we decry that it's not working if it's not fully implemented? Many of you may remember when we did the LEAP exam and how we undid that. And now we're going back to holding third graders accountable. It's time that we start making sustainable investments and do tweaks and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. That is not what you do in the private sector, and it should not be done in government because there's a lot of good that's coming out of it. Everything from having uh, better outcomes for individuals through the reentry programs that we should do more of, everything from taking someone who's been in prison and are on their last year of life potentially and releasing them and not burdening the state with those huge medical bills associated with it, and you reuniting families. Think about the institutional impact that has for a grandfather to come home. Someone's been in jail for 35 or 40 years, and they're no longer physically able to do harm. And the victims and the families agree with potentially people being released. And so the idea that that is not good, I, I reject that. I think there's tremendous impact that's happening in public policy. It happens with infrastructure. It happens with education. It happens with criminal justice reform. It does not happen overnight because we've been an incarceration capital for years. You can't change these big gargantuan issues overnight. Sean, the, our sheriff here and others around the state would say, you know, it, it sounded good and there were going to be programs in place, but they haven't seen much in the way of programs. Um, because will as you I, look as at I that? mentioned to you, Aaron, absolutely, as I mentioned to you, and I support the sheriffs in saying we haven't done everything we want to do. There's a large number of sheriffs that agree and understand what the reentry program is and investing in programs investing in mental issues or mental health services for uh, folks who are in prison. I agree with you, but if you haven't made the financial investment to do the things that the law requires you to do because it hasn't been realized, then you cannot say it's not working. What you can say is we've not fully implemented to get the outcomes we need. You can say we've not made the investment, but you can't say that you need to undo it because it's not working. There is a reason why it's not working. We've got situations where we are expecting to receive savings, and in some cases we have. Have we created enough savings to be able to grow the programs we want? No. I don't think anybody expected it would happen overnight. And but so changes do need to be made. To working we with sheriffs to be able to over uh, overhaul or tweak what needs to be tweaked to get the outcomes that we need and to make sure the folks who we are uh, holding much longer 
than we should are being able to be released according to the law. But there, there, you, there are tweaks, to use your word, that need to be made, and that one of them is to stop releasing violent criminals. Uh, another are, issue... I do you agree with you, Mark. Tweaks. Tweaks, yes, tweaks. Okay, it's Mike, but uh, thank you. All right. <laughs> Uh, do you support with the, the other other hosts who who didn't survive, Aaron? I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not that deadly. Uh, uh, one of the one of the questions uh, in the in the debate: Do you support the death penalty? Listen, I, I I do not. I am a person who believes in life. I, I'm a person who believes in uh, that being a decision uh, for others. But I also follow data and the fact that we have had a number of people who have been exonerated because of science and DNA that were on death row says, can we be putting someone to death for not committing the crime? I think that's extreme. That's too much finality. And that is not something that uh, I, I support. Okay. So now, do you, are you, I, I, are you I, I a pro-life? You say you're pro-life. Do you support abortion in Louisiana? I, I support a woman's right to make that decision if she wants to have an abortion. I support the idea that individuals can make decisions for themselves. Aren't those conflicting interests, that though? That you say you're for I life. I do agree that that should be rare, it should be safe, and it should be done with someone who is a professional trained to make that decision and not the Louisiana State Legislature. The bureaucracy that we have has created unsafe conditions for women across this state, and the implementation of the trigger laws is what's concerning. Sean Wilson, I appreciate you, and you're one of the guys. I can always text, are you up, and you answer me pretty quickly. <laughs> Just and as I... long as she doesn't ask what you're wearing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she has never done that. <laughs> yeah, thank uh, you. And, uh, but she has texted to call to say, listen, I'll do this. And Aaron, I will always be honest with you, and I will always show up. That is what leaders do. You can't pick and choose when you're going to be governor when you're governor. Gotcha. And we've got candidates who are choosing not to talk to communities and segments of our society, and I just think that's insulting. It's unacceptable, and I think it's a disqualifier. I will always give you the truth. I will always do it with integrity, and I will always, always step up and lead because that is what leaders do, and they start off by showing up. So uh, you don't have to worry about that. Sean, I appreciate you being with us, and hope we do it again before the election day. All right. Thank you, Aaron. Mm -hmm. Take care. Thank you, Sean. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. The Clown Circus continues. Ladies and gentlemen, step right up. <laughs> Get your popcorn. Buy your tickets. Come in and see the show. Oh, everybody got popcorn? City Council, City Council held their meeting yesterday. It was uh, it was another clown show. the the little The little small car was parked out in front of S- uh, City Hall. Mm-hmm. It just continues to be an embarrassment. It continues to be a disgrace to the every tax paying citizen yeah. of our of our city. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about a certain person anymore either. I nope. don't know. That's interesting. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah. But the council, the council, there there are members that are are more concerned about their personal power that they can amass, mm-hmm. and they're more concerned about their their political positioning than doing the city business. Uh, now fired city council uh, staff clerk clerk uh, made a statement in yesterday's meeting, eight minute statement 
that she was allowed to make. And we'll, we've got part of that coming up next. Mm-hmm. 101.7 FM, 17. 17- Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. I actually watched the meeting yesterday. We went to a luncheon, first of all, mm-hmm. yesterday at North uh, Shreveport Business Association. They always do a great job with these monthly meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, all the city officials are always there. We get updates from uh, the police department and the fire department. Sheriff Prater was the speaker. Oh, yeah. Um, there, was, there was a little bit, a few comments about certain person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think anybody was expecting what happened in the city council meeting later that afternoon. Well, we were expecting fireworks. We well, didn't we know how ex- much. We knew we knew that it was on the agenda. Mm-hmm. The employment status of uh, council staff, uh, council clerk of council, uh, Shanerica uh, Flemings. Mm-hmm. That was on the agenda. So we, we assumed they were going to fire her they could have said we're reducing pay i mean we, we didn't yeah we're demoting her or didn't whatever no yeah. really mm-hmm. uh but what happened what had happened was <laughs> it got crazy yeah uh Shanerica fleming's made an eight minute statement uh in the council which i'll go on record saying was inappropriate not only what she said but the time that she was allowed to say it mm-hmm. it should have been a press conference after uh, but here's just here's a, a, a section of uh, council former clerk of council Shanerica Fleming's statement to the city council. My goal is to show the public why Shreveport can't keep young, talented professionals. You have not heard any council member speak negatively about my overall work performance, my skill set, the quality of the work I produce, or my professionalism. Instead, you've only heard baseless allegations of wrongdoing without so much as an ounce of evidence, all meant to be an assassination of my character. Six months ago, five council members approved my confirmation because they were confident in my ability to do this job. Councilman Butcher or Talaferro didn't vote for me, but I gave them my word that I'd work for them as I would every other council member, and I have. Councilwoman Bowman told me I shouldn't do shit for them. However, I told her I would work as hard for them as I did for everyone else, and I kept my word. Anything I provide to all council members, they are included. And anything they've requested from me, I've provided. Neither of them can truthfully, t- truthfully tell you anything differently. In fact, I have emails and recall multiple conversations with Councilman Telefera where he, where he has thanked me for my efforts, for me looking out for him, for providing him with necessary information, and for a job well done. Less than a month ago, after I was publicly humiliated for receiving a raise that I knew nothing about until after it had been given, Councilman Brooks came to my office and told me how great of a job I'm doing and how impressed he was with my knowledge and ability to promptly respond to council members anytime any of them has a question. So imagine my surprise this past Friday when he asked the deputy, deputy clerk to add my employment status to the council agenda because he intends to fire me. He nor my other employers had the courtesy to come to me with any of their issues before going public. I even called each of them in hopes of finding out what the problem was because no one has spoken to me. Council members Brooks, Busher, Telefero, and Bowman did not answer, nor any of them have, 
did not answer, nor have any of them returned my phone call. I'd also like to add that since the day I started, not one of my bosses has given me any sort of counseling, performance review, or verbal or written warning of any sort, yet they are moving to fire me. I can't help but think this termination is the result of a series of instances where I either spoke out against something I didn't agree with or rejected invitations that I believed were inappropriate. Around the time that I was confirmed, I attended a dinner where Councilwoman Bowman allowed Councilman Brooks to say the word I gave him pushback in that moment and let him know that it wasn't okay for him to use that word. Yet Councilwoman Bowman said nothing. There was also another council member and his wife present. The other council member stated he didn't hear it, but his wife did, and she was so upset that she left. When I later questioned Councilwoman Bowman about why she remained silent, she told me he was a different type of white guy, and she wasn't going to say anything because she may need him later. I guess she was right because she was able to convince him to take lead on firing a young black woman so that she wouldn't have to be the face of it. After this, anytime Councilwoman Bowman asked me to join her and Councilman Brooks for drinks, I declined. When he asked me on multiple occasions to join him at his bar for steak and drinks, I always declined. It seems Councilman Brooks' opinion of me may have changed because he doesn't like to be challenged or rejected. However, I will never apologize for speaking out against something I know is wrong. I also won't compromise my standards and integrity by engaging in what I believe is inappropriate behavior just to please someone, even if that someone is my boss. Councilwoman Bowman has been vocal about her disapproval of me speaking with RJ about his job performance. She has a problem with me speaking directly to him about his work, yet she was okay with telling me how messy his clothes look, how bad his hygiene is, how he acts like a female at times, and how she knows he just sits in his office and does nothing. The only reason I bring these things up now is because it appears I am being punished because I didn't go along with everything these council members have said or done. In the past month, multiple people have told me that they've asked Councilwoman Bowman what her problem is with me, and her response has been, I just don't like that bitch, with no other explanation. Despite knowing this, I've continued to be nothing but professional towards her. I've been accused of having an overinflated ego. I suppose that is because I have an opinion. I don't just sit down, shut up, and take whatever people try to feed me. And because I walk around with my head high even when some people do all they can to tear me down, I unapologetically use my voice. I love Shreveport and I love working for this city. To those council members who have continuously supported me and believe in my abilities, ability to help make Shreveport a better place, thank you. Serving under your leadership has been a true honor. Now, there was applause, as you just heard, but apparently she her, had, her sorority she had members. people that knew this was coming. Her mom was in the audience. So she kind of packed the room with her mm-hmm. supporters. I talked to an attorney today, and because we were planning to have Ursula Bowman on the show this morning. She had agreed, um, but then this morning they the, the, uh, changed her mind because there is some concern that Miss Flemings may file a lawsuit. Um, there could be a lawsuit from the other side, too, if there's proof that Miss Fleming made d- defamatory remarks. So I talked to a lawyer who handles those kinds of cases, discrimination, uh, workplace issues, and I asked the lawyer what what needs to be shown in cases like this? And she said there are five things she would sit down and talk to the client about. Are your allegations true? Have you filed complaints previously? Mm-hmm. Have those complaints been investigated? What were the results of those investigations? And number five, does this discrimination or alleged discrimination affect the term or condition of your employment? Obviously. Well, yeah, it, it, her employment's over. 
Um, but has she filed complaints with HR before? Yeah, why is this the first we're hearing of sexual harassment we by don't a know. council member? Maybe but, she has. Well, this is the first we're hearing. Right, yes. And and if she has, I mean, they're not going to air that in public. That's a personnel matter, and that would be done behind closed doors in private. Which this should have been done. Yeah, this should. they should have stopped it. Um, I think they were concerned that they would look like they were trying to silence her, and you know, and, and maybe they should have. She, you know, she was. But I, if it were me, in the moment she starts making a defamatory comment about a fellow council member, I would have said, "Point of order," and I call for the question. That stops all debate, and now you have to vote. You can have no more comments. Everybody has to vote. Now you can vote on the call for the question, whether you agree to vote or not. But at that point, no more discussion, and that would have had to stop. Um, but if they been, don't follow rules of order, they they they're going to have to start because it's becoming very but much who enforces a problem. That they would, they would have to, they would have to. But if your chairman doesn't know the rules of order or follow them, you're going to have to call him out on them. He he did when Ursula during the meeting she called a point of order and he stopped. I mean, he knows the rules. He knows he knows how it works. This ain't his first rodeo. Sure, it's just his craziest, and you know he's kind of not being That's talked not a about rodeo anymore. Anymore, it's a circus. It is a circus. It is a circus, and you know he's kind of just laying back, and 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 you know his certain person stuff and all. He claims there's more video police haven't released of his traffic stop. The part where he's in the car with his hands out the window. Okay, there there are more than one video. Mm-hmm. There, there is more than one video. Yes. We, we, we received those from the city. Public records request. And there, the, the, but the, he said that wasn't body cam, that we only saw dash footage. That's not true. That's not true. The video that we posted on keelnews.com was body cam footage. Mm-hmm. And the body cam footage from the officer that approached his car... There was some sort of malfunction. At least that's what we he are told. He hadn't turned on the camera yet. You could right. not hear. Now, James Green's right. You couldn't hear what was being said while James Green was still in his car. Yeah. Has he fixed his tent on his windows yet? Uh, I, I'm waiting on that picture. I would bet not. <sighs> <laughs> but the circus continues. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. That wasn't me. Sounded like your voice. It's not, huh? No. Uh, I have something for you real quick. You ready, Ruben? Am I ready? (laughs) Yeah, you ready? (laughs) Is it on your computer? No. 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 Then then, yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Got about 30 seconds. Three, two, one. Happy birthday to you. What? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Mikey. Mike. Happy birthday to you. That's true. We're going to miss your birthday. I forgot. Oh, yeah, you're not going to Friday, right? Yes, it so, is Friday. God, I suck at singing. Ruben, sing louder <laughs> next time. He didn't know who, to whom he I was just, singing. I didn't know who I was singing to. <laughs> I, know, I had no, no, no idea what was I didn't going either on. until a, midway through. Happy birthday. Thank you. What is it, 68? Uh, 27. Okay. All right. Very nice. Sure. We're believing that. My, my, both my kids are older than that. <laughs> well, have fun. Don't wear seersucker. Have fun in Atlanta. I still, the jury's still out. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad I got friends staying at the house taking care of the animals. There you go. 
Thank you. I, I hate I'm missing the next two days. I got to be honest. It's going to be crazy. I'd rather be here. Oh, we'll call you. Put you on the air. 1017 FM, 